Hey everyone, this is Lars Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we are talking about your 9 and 14 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker makes his triumphant, healthy return to the podcast, and he and I talk about how the Pistons are finding their footing on both ends of the floor, who the team should operate through down the stretch of close games like the Pacers game, and how the Pistons got suckered into a home game 2,284 miles outside of Detroit. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased to have the uh, return of my co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Laz. I'm happy to be healthy again. I'm going to take it. Uh, Doing good. Interesting week of Pistons basketball. Looking forward to talking to you this week. Missed you last week, but, uh, but glad to be back at it this week. Yeah, glad glad to have you back. My uh, my throat was sore, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got good news to talk about too. The uh, the Pistons are uh, slowly improving. They're up to nine and fourteen. They have been uh, top ten in both offensive rating and defensive rating over their last ten games. Obviously, that's helped out a little bit when you uh, win two games by thirty plus points, as they did against San Antonio and Cleveland. But uh, you know they're five and five in that time, including the two. Uh, close losses to Charlotte, but in a, but a, a nice, very solid, impressive win over the Indiana Pacers uh, in that time. Ben, do you think this team is finding their footing and, and turning around their season? Yeah, there's certainly been some good signs, right? Over the last 10 games, a couple good blowouts, a couple good wins, um, quality wins recently, right? The Magic, the Spurs, and the Pacers. And I'm going to count the Spurs in there, even though they're not a playoff team in the West because they would be in the East. That's three quality wins, right? Um, I, I think even more encouragingly, I was really down in the dumps after the Milwaukee game about Blake Griffin. I was just feeling like, is this guy ever going to get healthy? Where is the fire that we saw a season ago? Uh, but really, when I took a step back uh, after watching, I watched the Pacers replay this morning. You know, he really had two solid performances this week against good teams. And I would say in in the game against Indiana in particular, he looked a little bit more like Blake. He had one nice drive along the baseline where he elevated and dunked. Um, so, so that was super encouraging then to me. And then we've also seen some good three-point shooting as a team. So some really positive trends uh, over the course of those 10 games. I mean, you hinted at it. A lot of that efficiency differential is driven by those blowouts. You mentioned the two. 30-point wins. There's also that Atlanta blowout in in the midst of those 10 games. The schedule's still young enough that a a couple or three blowouts over the course of a couple weeks can have a pretty big impact on net rating. So that's what we're seeing a little bit of uh, right now. Um, But yeah, in spite of that, I think there's some good things uh, to be excited about. You also mentioned close losses to Charlotte. Man, Charlotte just our Achilles heel the last couple seasons. But uh, 
overall a lot better basketball over the last 10 uh, than we saw over the first part of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think the the definite thing to be most excited about is the uh, apparent health now of Blake Griffin. Um, he, Even though he wasn't able to be at his best and most effective during uh, the Milwaukee game, he was still uh, he was still being like physically present, and the shots just weren't going in. And that happens on a night to night basis, and you expect that to not happen uh, more nights than most. But the thing I think I'm uh, more encouraged by is that this doesn't feel like it did at the beginning of last season, uh, when you know Blake was posting up from the was operating from the mid post, you know, thirty times a game, and uh, everything the Pistons were doing stemmed through Blake and it felt like they were very much running him into the ground. Like, no, against, against Indiana, he had, uh, he had a hand in a lot of the end of game situations and he scored, you know, 25 points, but it didn't necessarily feel like he was handling the ball all the time. Uh, he was able to operate in the pick and roll with Andre, but not uh, necessarily. He was able to exploit match uh, mismatches that the, they created, but that wasn't the like sole factor that they used to create offense. And I think that that is the, we're starting to see the vision of what this team could look like in, in the offense or in the off season, uh, like come to fruition. And that's exciting. All right, Ben, uh, what does it tell us if, if anything that uh, this team is three and one now against the Indiana Pacers <laughs> and, and, and 0 and three against the Hornets? Well, first of all, the scheduling is ridiculous. I mean, to play these teams that many times over the first, what, 20 some games, pretty crazy. Um, you know, if I have to say anything and I'm, almost reluctant to see anything at all, but maybe this is a matchup thing. Um, you know, you would think that the Hornets wouldn't be as big of a problem given the significant roster overhaul, right? Loss of Kemba Walker, but they're still a pain uh, for the Pistons. And I don't know, maybe you've got better insight than me. I can't put my finger on why the Hornets would be so particularly problematic. And then the flip side of that is, I mean, the, the Pacers on paper should actually be, I think, a little more troublesome than the Hornets ought to be. Um, but the Pistons have really played some of their best basketball against the Pacers. So, you know, I don't know. I have to plead a little bit of ignorance here. I'm not sure I'm seeing, you know, the magic recipe here for success and failure. I don't know, Laz, what do you see about these two teams? I think it's a question. It's definitely a question of like matchups. The, the thing that I noticed during the Charlotte games the most was that um, the Pistons had real issues defending them when they went smaller when they went with their like PJ Washington at center lineups or uh, with like the, when they played Marvin Williams and PJ Washington at the same time, they really had trouble uh, defending in space against those lineups. And, you know, conversely, the Pacers don't really do a lot of that. They play two, they start two big men uh, at the same time. Um, They play a lot of, and they stagger them when, when they're not playing them. So there's always one guy on the floor. Um, Miles Turner uh, appears to just like not really be an obstacle for Andre Drummond. That's something that yeah. I've talked about uh, other. I've talked about that with uh, Pacers people in the past that Miles uh, um, Turner seems to like really struggle with that. He had, I think another really poor performance. Uh, I remember Indiana Pacers Twitter, which I get like a small window into was like very frustrated with miles after, after the Detroit game. And so I, I think that, you know, Having your two best player in the Pistons, having your two best players be be big men, is a a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing when it lines up that you know you know Andre's effect can be effective defensively and not have to cover as much ground, and uh, Blake is able to get a matchup where he's operating in the post and not necessarily uh, asked to defend in space. 
But if you get a matchup like a PJ Washington where he can, you know, you can pick and pop out to the three point line, you can have uh, four people on the court who can shoot all shoot threes at the same time and you force Blake to to move his feet and it close out. Uh, you can give the Pistons real trouble. And so it, it, it appears to be a question of matchups, but that, that does mean that that's going to be something we have to look out for in the future. Like which teams are willing to play small in the in the regular season, which teams are, you know, uh, not as worried about getting crushed on the offensive glass by, by an Andre Drummond during the regular season. And, and uh, maybe the Pistons will have more trouble defensively in those games. Uh, the the next thing we wanted to talk about was uh, there were some odd uh, substitution patterns. There were some odd roster decisions down the stretch of the Indiana Pacers game. Uh, Bruce Brown was playing uh, really great defense uh, down the stretch, and yet the team uh, closed with Derrick Rose at point guard, and uh, and that turned out to be the right call. Rose was was excellent down the uh, stretch for the for the Pistons on offense. Um, but you know, had real trouble staying uh, in front of Malcolm Brogdon, and I think the uh, Pacers even got him switched on a TJ Warren a couple times uh, in the last three minutes to to take advantage of that matchup. Uh, ben, you know, what what should the the crunch time roster or what should the crunch time lineup for this roster be? Yeah, this is such a juicy question. Uh, I really like I really like this one. It, it's also one that I think is really difficult for the Pistons this year because they have this you know, pretty obvious dynamic where they've got a handful of guys who are, who are very good one way players, but then, you know, really poor on the other end of the ball. Right. So Derek Rose is an obvious example of this. Bruce Brown is another example of this. Luke Kennard, maybe to a little bit lesser degree defensively than Rose is another example of this, but, um, you know, look, Casey's substitution patterns just on the whole can be confusing to me at times. They're, they, they're sort of evening out now that Blake Griffin is back, and I'm sort of getting to sort of understand where he's going. Um, but I, I think in a lot of late game situations and in, in games that are close this season, the Pistons have this awkward problem where even more so than a lot of teams have to do, they're going to have to be very strategic situationally. Um, you mentioned Bruce Brown being a, a really big positive down the stretch against Indiana. I would completely agree with that. The flip side of that is if you don't leave Derrick Rose out there to close the game, you know, what does this team do offensively? Right. And, and how does that look differently if Derrick Rose isn't out there? So I think, you know, Casey's really got his hands full because you've got, you know, Rose and Kennard, obviously your best backcourt offensively. The flip side of that is you've had Derrick Rose make some really questionable decisions late in games, especially over the last two weeks, right? We didn't get to talk about this last week, you and I, but that was really a theme a week ago. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Bruce Brown, who who is sort of the, the mirror image of Derrick Rose, can be a fantastic defender, but you put him in there on offense and he's basically just a free, you know, he's just a freebie. The defense doesn't really have to worry about him unless he's standing in the corner for a three, which he seems to be developing. So... Um, you know, honestly, I think Coach Casey really has his work cut out for him here. He's going to have to be very strategic about uh, managing his timeouts down the stretch for those close games because he's going to be in the situation where he really has to make lineup adjustments uh, really in the spur of the moment, uh, depending on how the game is going. Offense for defense more than most coaches are going to have to deal with. Um, you know, I was really happy in the Indiana game uh, late in the game that they they didn't turn the ball over. They actually forced Indiana into some tough decisions down the stretch. So that was a sign of project, uh, progress for me. And as you mentioned, 
Derrick Rose was very, very good. So, you know, right now with the roster as it is, long rambling answer to your question, I think you have to have Derrick Rose out there for offense. You've got to have Luke Kennard out there for offense. Uh, the question starts to be the the three-man, right? Who's the best three-man? Do they go small and push Luke over to the three and bring someone like Lanson or Bruce in? I sort of like that idea. And then I think you obviously close with your two big men, um, Blake and Dre. But I, I think Casey's going to have to be really flexible uh, and really in tune to what's going on uh, with the opposition's lineup so he can make the correct adjustments really at the spur of the moment. Yeah, I I think we we agree on like four of the five spots. The 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 three man, as you pointed out, is kind of the the swing point for this team. Uh, you know, against Indiana, Tony Snell. I liked a lot of what Tony Snell offered in the in the first quarter, uh, but he kind of he disappeared offensively. And it's really it's he offers a, a spacing threat, but it's difficult to uh, you know leverage that in in uh, close uh, clutch situations if teams. Uh, are willing to let him shoot because they don't think he will. And so he just needs to be more aggressive uh, overall and, and leverage uh, his length on, on defense as well. But I think that uh, this, especially against Indiana, I, I think that it would have been beneficial to uh, get Bruce out there to close the game. He's, he's shown that he's willing to shoot the, the corner three um, that, uh, that uh, teams just, if even if teams are willing to play off of him, he's willing to take that shot, and he's confident that he's going to make it. You see him, you know, uh, sticking his tongue out to the bench and like <laughs> calling timeout for Lloyd Pierce and stuff after he makes shots. And so, uh, as Bruce as Bruce's confidence grows, like I, I definitely think there's there's a role for him uh, in these crunch time lineups, even if he's not necessarily the guy with the ball in his hands. You know? Yeah, I hear that. I mean, Bruce Brown is going to be. For me, oh man, I'm just not sold on him yet. And Laz, you you might end up being completely right about him over the long term. But man, like his offense, I just feel like if you're going to have him out there in the last minute of the game, like, I don't know, I just feel like you're going to be playing four on five. And I don't know what his shooting percentage is now on open threes in the corner. It's probably better than I think it is. But to me, he just feels like, you know, just such a such a lack of a weapon, right? So I don't know. I'm going to need to be persuaded over time that his defense merits him being out there over the long term. I just feel like maybe there's some uh, really, you know, situational back and forth substitutions in and out that Casey might have to go with. But I, I mean, look, they won this week, so it's really hard to criticize what they did. Um, so yeah, I think I'm I'm just going to need to be persuaded that Bruce Brown is that guy. So you've got you've got over the next sixty games. That's your that, that's your homework. <laughs> you got to persuade me that Bruce Brown is the man in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's fair. I'll, uh, me and Bruce will work on that. <laughs> so and you know while we're talking about like the lineups and the execution and the offense down the stretch of close games, you know uh, something I talked about a little bit earlier was how uh, little. Uh, the team seemed to be leaning on Blake during the Indiana game. Um, we talked about how how good Rose was down the stretch. Uh, in your mind, you know how how heavily should the team weight the uh, crunch time offense towards a, a Derek Rose or a Blake Griffin? Yeah, so this is an area where I I definitely disagree with Wayne Casey. I like the idea of having Rose out there because I think having two dynamic guys with the ball in their hands in uh, Rose and in Blake Griffin makes a lot of sense. That makes your lineup much more difficult to guard on the whole. 
Um, and, and look, this has absolutely nothing to do with a week ago, well, two week ago's game, right, where, where Rose really struggled down the stretch. I would just say, in general, Blake Griffin, to me, is just a much better player in spite of the fact that Rose has been, you know, really good at times this year. Blake Griffin is just, to me, head and shoulders, still a better guy. And I would much rather see the ball in his hands uh, than in Derek Rose's hands. Maybe, um, you know, Casey's playing a little bit of a long game here. Maybe he's waiting for Blake Griffin to really get to 100% health before he's putting the load fully back on his shoulders. You know, I think one of the things we saw uh, with his comments in the media, I can't remember if it was this week or last week, but uh, where he talked about really fighting to have Christian Wood on the team, right? And we've seen Wood getting more and more minutes. You know, you pointed this out to me several weeks ago and you were right to do so. Casey definitely has a sort of a long trajectory as a coach in mind. I'm wondering if maybe he's got something in place here where he he really wants to get Rose's confidence up. He really wants to get Blake fully healthy, you know, before he leans on him in crunch time. Um, but to me, yeah, I mean, the Pistons' best chance to win is going to be on, on the back of Blake Griffin, um, you know, even if he's not 100% until 60 games into the season. That's, that's where I want to see the ball. I want to see the offense go through Blake Griffin. Yeah, Derek Rose especially had I think that was he had really struggled uh down the stretch of close games like you we talked about uh both Charlotte games. Um he had he executed well. He was executed well I guess against the Pacers. He executed in the in the first game of the season, you know, when they were running uh the actions to get Luke open shots. Um and there's that's definitely something that, something that they can can continue to do Luke uh is if if teams are uh, forget about Luke and focus a lot on Blake and uh, Reggie or sorry, Blake and Derek that uh, he can definitely take advantage of that. But um, I think you're right. I think the team definitely has to uh, do a better job of leveraging what Blake has to offer in a half court um, down the stretch of games. Um, you know, Rose, I, I, I can see the decision-making being a real uh, issue with Rose, especially just the, the way he uh, makes his decisions up at the last minute. You see him throw a lot of jump passes. You see, uh, I remember a quote he had uh, to one of the beat guys about how he tells the big men, like, hey, just like keep your eyes on me because like I don't know what I'm going to do until <laughs> I do it. And so, like, you know, be ready for drop off passes or be ready for like wild jump passes. And, you know, down the stretch of games, you would like something slightly more consistent than, um, you know, the the cross court uh, jump pass to the wing or, or something like that, and as we saw last year, like you're going to get that from Blake. Now the issue with with Blake being the the offensive uh, hub down the stretch is that it's it's more difficult to get him kind of rumbling all the way to the basket. It's more difficult for him to get uh, easier shots. You think a lot of uh, even like a lot of the the clutch moments he had last year. You think of the the Houston game, or you think of the uh, the OKC the OKC game they lost late in the year. It's a lot of like Blake uh, running a pick and roll with Andre, and then like stepping back and hitting a three, which is you know usually the domain of a guard, right? Like they usually you'd have a guard do that, but um, you know Blake doesn't necessarily operate like that. Or if you think of him like engineering a switch and operating from the mid post and uh like bullying through but the team kind of collapses and so you're you're in the same position as you are with Derek Rose where you're you're relying on the kick out to shooters um the you know the Pistons have good shooters they've been shooting well over this current stretch but you you would still like you know one more person to be able to create uh easier looks at the rim 
down the stretch of games. And, you know, maybe maybe that guy's not on the roster. Maybe that guy's injured. Maybe that guy's Reggie Jackson. Uh, we got we did get the, we did get the report that uh we got the report at the beginning of last week, and it is now the beginning of this week. So we got the report that Reggie Jackson will be reevaluated in two weeks. So now we're down to basically he'll be reevaluated next week. Um, you know, hopefully that means he's you know ten or so days from returning to to serious play. But that kind of presents a problem, right? We've been talking about the rotations. We've been talking about the the crunch time lineups. Uh, ben, who do you think uh, Reggie Jackson replaces in the rotation when he returns? So, Laz, this is such another good question. You pose all these amazing questions every week that really make me think hard. And I'll, I'll be honest, my immediate reaction when I saw this question this week was, are we sure that he really should replace anyone in the rotation? Um, so you look at the four guards, right? So you've got Rose, Kennard, Brown, and Langston. None of those guys, you know, on paper, if everybody's healthy, um, you know, is necessarily head and shoulders above Reggie Jackson, all things considered, right? Assuming everyone's healthy. Um, but I'm not sure that Reggie coming back and bumping one of those guys out of the rotation immediately is is the best thing right now. Um, you know, we've seen in years past, because unfortunately we've seen Reggie Jackson come back from so many injuries, um, that his conditioning tends to be the thing that really holds him back when he's coming back into the lineup. And I think in particular, we tend to see that on defense. The way that this year has gone so far, the Pistons can't afford to have more struggles defensively, especially at the point guard position or shooting guard position, you know, wherever he gets matched up given the situation. So I I don't know, Les, like maybe I'm crazy, but like, is he automatically going to bump one of those guys out. I mean, typically you'd never see an NBA coach like, you know, move a guy out of the rotation because of an injury. But at the same time, I'm just not sure, like other than maybe four or six minutes here or there, like where is he immediately better than any of those guys right now? Assuming that when he comes back, he's running at like 80% or 70% or something. Yeah, that's fair. I think the, I think the, uh, the obvious thing is like they just go back to what they were what they established that they were going to do before the season started right they go back to what they were running in the preseason with uh you know you operate with Reggie Bruce Tony Snell Blake and Dre and then you bring Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard off the bench together you throw Langston Galloway in there at the uh, at the wing position and then uh you have Markeith and you have Christian Wood who's now like locked down the the backup center role the guy who that leaves out right now is is Sfi. Right. Sfi's, Sfi's been playing really well. He's yeah. been doing everything you could have asked of him. Um, and it might just be a, a roster crunch. I think the 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 more interesting thing though is that like Bruce Brown has really taken to this starting point guard role. But as as we've talked about, like he's very limited offensively. Um, it, it, before he was the starting point guard, he was turning the ball over a lot. And then at the start of the season. And then uh, having the ball in his hands more seems to have uh, like convert, uh, uh, you know, inversely like made him more responsible with it. He's been turning the ball over less. He's been, uh, we, he's, you know, shown a lot more of the passing vision we initially saw in summer league. And so I, I do wonder, you know, if you go back to that starting lineup you used during the preseason, um, you know, and you take the ball out of Bruce Brown's hands, you know what? What kind of uh, what kind of return are you going to just get from Brown? Uh, 
in general because we we've seen that yeah we we see we have evidence early in the season that like without you know without the ball in his hands more he'll he'll be a less effective player which is which is weird because you know he's already uh, he's not like an offensive like savant or anything uh but at the at the same time like i do there was a lot of value in preserving the like derrick rose let derrick rose and luke Kennard just like flamethrower other teams bench units um there was a lot of value in uh, keeping Derrick Rose's minutes artificially low in order to preserve uh, his health and keep him uh, healthy for the rest of the regular season. And so I do think there will be times when you'll see, you'll see um, Reggie, you know, playing like 20 ish minutes at point guard. You'll see Derrick Rose playing like 20 ish minutes at point guard. And I think you'll see Bruce Brown. Uh, you'll see some lineups where Bruce is uh, taken the slack up in that department since he's kind of proven he can handle that. But, uh, but yeah, it's really interesting uh, what, what this team is going to look like when Reggie Jackson comes back, you know, we're going to see some number, we're going to see some number of like Derek Rose, Reggie Jackson sharing the same backcourt. Like how, (laughs) how is that going to look, especially since, uh, you know, we don't really trust either one of those guys uh, defensively. Um, It's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the Pistons, we have a lot of evidence over the last, like over the life of Reggie's contract that the Pistons are just better when he plays, but uh, the Pistons have been finding their footing without him. And so it'll be interesting to see if he, he, if he strengthens that or if he uh, makes it just like more unstable, you know? Yeah. And I think as you were talking, like one of the things I, I was turning over in my head is, okay, what if you start him, but you let him slowly work his way into handling the ball a lot right so you still kind of keep bruce brown running the point a little bit of the time so maybe he and 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 bruce are sort of splitting point guard duties while they're on the floor i i guess the the main reason that this question is hard to me is because i've seen reggie jackson just really struggle coming back from injury before and i just worry that you know 70 percent of reggie jackson is not better than any of the other guards that we currently have on the roster. And you're right to point out Svee because he sort of plays that swingman role a little bit as well. You know, I just don't know that 70% of Reggie Jackson, ugh, I'm just not convinced yet. And the Pistons, look, they're nine and 14 now. They're somehow, they are still in the hunt for the playoffs, right? Like somehow this season is still not over in spite of the fact that it should be like, they, they just don't have a lot of room for error. And I don't know, you know, how much how much room do they have to wait on Reggie Jackson to get healthy, and how many minutes can they give him while he rounds into form? Like, I I just don't know the answer to that. It's a very very hard question. Yeah, you're you're definitely right that I think like seventy percent of Reggie is is not what this team needs. Um, I I think the the thing I would be most worried about is not necessarily if he's fully healthy or not. Uh, he had a he had a back injury, and like back injuries are are always tricky. It's you know how how conditioned will he be yeah. when he gets back we saw yeah. we saw with blake right it took blake three four games to oh, yeah. to get himself right and you know at least we know that the team has options at that point guard spot if it take uh, when it takes reggie his his three four games or whatever to to find his wind but um you know if if like when blake comes back they're they're leaning on him and he can't perform for them that's going to be that's going to be difficult that's going to take some time that's going to be uh, integrating another piece and that's you know time like you mentioned the pistons are, are rapidly running out of 
yeah, I mean they've they've got to we're we're going to talk about this in a minute. They've they've got to keep the ship righted. Like they've got to find their way back to 500 relatively soon if this season is going to mean anything because the schedule is about to get real, right? So yeah. you know if there's you know if you're never playing Reggie more than six minute stints for the next four games, like I'm okay with that. Like maybe you start him and you play him for six minutes and you take him out until he's got his his win back. I just don't think you know there's there's much margin for error left. Yeah. Speaking of that, speaking of that schedule, the Pistons have a uh, a rough road trip ahead of them this week. They uh, they go to New Orleans on Monday. They have a home game in Mexico City against the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. That does not feel like a home game, but uh, and then they finish it up with. Uh, but they have a that's on Thursday, so they have a nice break in between uh, the the New Orleans game and the Dallas game in Mexico, and then they play uh, in Houston on Saturday. So it's not. You know, it's not like the the farthest trip in the world on your little uh, West Coast swing. Uh, we you know we knew the schedule would turn. We knew that you couldn't play the Bulls and the Hornets uh, forever, and it's starting to. Um, I believe they they end the month on their uh, at the they end their month with the uh, the six game road trip. That's their longest road trip of the year. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, it's going to be rough, but uh, you know some of those some of those Western teams are worse than we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. You know, they've already blown the Spurs out and the Spurs are playing worse than anyone could have uh, expected them to at this time last season. Um, Golden State, they play Golden State uh, at the beginning of January. The laughing that, stock of the league. This is the craziest yeah. year. Yeah, that, that game looks a lot more winnable than it did <laughs> in in, uh, in August, right? So, you know, the, the, the schedule is definitely getting tight, but, uh, you know, is is there a reason to believe the team is uh is playing well enough to to take advantage of a, of a tougher schedule then laz i want to believe i do this i just feel like this season has just beat me down for having hope right like i mean i was one of the most <laughs> optimistic people i know about the pistons this summer i really feel like they have like a, a pretty quality roster i think they've proved that a little bit over the last 10 games too so i'm going to take a little bit of vindication but man, I don't know. I just feel like getting my hopes up again. I'm just setting myself up for heartbreak. This next week, I just, I don't love it. Um, I haven't really watched New Orleans. I know they've struggled, but obviously they've had some <laughs> pretty key injuries. But I, I don't like that Dallas matchup at all. I mean, obviously, Doncic is just a beast. He's a nightmare matchup for the Pistons. I don't know who they're going to put on him. Probably Blake. I, I mean, I don't even know. Uh, and basically, you got to treat like that road game, right? Like you're going to the essentially the West Coast and then following it up with Houston, which again, another terrible matchup. So I feel like this could be a really, really rough, rough week for Detroit. Um, you got to win New Orleans, right? I mean, you just have to, and then maybe you get lucky against the Mavs or or the Rockets. But yeah, I mean, it's not going to get any easier going forward, like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. You definitely do have to win that New Orleans game. Uh, luckily. The Pelicans and the and the Mavericks just played each other, so I got to watch that game and uh, see how those two teams operated. Uh, you know, fortunately, we got a great look at the Pelicans. The Pelicans are kind of scuffling. the Their injury situation has just uh, coerced them into some really strange lineups. Um, right now, they're they're starting Brandon Ingram. You know, really super skinny Brandon Ingram at the four, and I think that's a you know, like if there's going to be a time when you post up Blake oh, fifteen times, that, like yeah, yeah definitely hit that matchup 
But uh, the other, the you know, flip side of that coin is that the Mavericks, you know, beat the tar out of the Pelicans and yeah. won that game by like thirty plus. And uh, you know, the it Luca is rapidly coming into himself. And like you said, I it, the Pistons don't really have anybody on the roster, you know, capable of of slowing him. You uh, you imagine that um, it, the Pistons might be able to do make some hay with the bench units. Dallas has one of the uh, best offensive bench units in the league, but it's not a great defensive unit. Our, our old friend Boban is uh, is holding down the paint for them, and you imagine that Christian Wood and Markeith Morris' ability to space the floor might give him some trouble. I'm going to um, have a hard yeah. time. I don't know who I'm going to root for, Boban or Christian Wood. Like Those are my two boys. <laughs> He's like, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's going to be a really tough matchup, and you know, playing that game at elevation in Mexico City is going yeah. to be uh, interesting. Uh, I can't believe the Pistons signed up to lose a home game for for that, but uh, that's neither here nor there, I guess. And then Houston, uh, Houston is playing. Uh, James Harden is playing really well. Right, Let's say exactly. That. James exactly. Harden is playing really well. Yeah, and you know, uh, the the Pistons had Bruce Brown did a great job on Harden in those two matchups last year. Uh, the Pistons managed to steal. Uh, one of those games, I think, yeah, the home game. And so, uh, you know, they, there's a potential that they play the, uh, the Rockets close. Houston is also like a much worse defensive team that they were at this time last year, sure. which was one of my big concerns, like heading into them into the year. And so it's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you swipe that game because, uh, you know, neither team plays any defense and, you know, uh, Derek Rose outduels James Harden or something like that. But it does look like this is going to be a rough week for our Pistons, and they're, they're going to really need to uh, to play their best against New Orleans and like solidly lock down that win. I mean, getting to getting to ten wins that's going to feel like something. So yeah. I'm going to take ten, that. ten and sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> How are we twenty? What twenty four, twenty five games in? The season is just flying by. Yeah, it's time it's, flies it's when you're a, miserable. It's been, <laughs> it's been a season. No adjective necessary. All right, Ben, uh, where's the best place for the people to uh, get their update on how the family's doing? How the uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, the family is finally close to healthy. Thanks to everyone who's reached out on Twitter. I really appreciated that. Had a, we were we were all on the injury reserve. It was a. It was a full team. We need, we needed a full week off. So uh, at BR Golker on Twitter, hit me up in the comments at Detroit Bad Boys, especially on these podcast posts. I try to hop in and, and talk Pistons. Tell me tell me why I should be optimistic. If any of you should should uh, feel so inclined, tell me why. If I'm optimistic, I'm not setting myself up for heartbreak because I, I really do want to believe. Yeah, I I want to uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts as well. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I want to thank the uh, the people who were like, "Man, like, are, are you, is your is your voice okay? Is your throat okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for checking in. Appreciate that. Um, but keep listening to the podcast. Keep subscribing. Uh, keep giving us reviews. Keep commenting in the uh, posts on Detroit Bad Boys. That's one of the more uh, fun things we do on the site all week. Uh, and yeah, this that's that's the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week.